Hey, everybody, and welcome back on the Macro Compass. What the heck is happening in Japan? The Bank of Japan sudden change of heart, I think, has important global macro implication. And this morning, we all woke up to a major macro surprise. The Bank of Japan widened the allowed trading band for the 10-year Japanese government bonds by 25 basis points, which means that 10-year JGBs can now trade between minus 50 and plus 50 basis points. While this really doesn't seem like a major change, I think it really is. And to understand why, you need to bear with me and take a small step back. For years, Japan implemented a very aggressive dovish monetary policy stance. Bank of Japan rates were effectively pinned at 0% for decades. Large-scale quantitative easing was standard practice. And a few years ago, the Bank of Japan was forced actually to switch to yield curve control. This was necessary because the relentless QE purchases had led the Bank of Japan to own over 50% of the domestic bond market. Buying more bonds than that would seriously alter the functioning of the market. Imagine it, were, it already was, because there, basically, there were basically no trades happening in the JGB market. And to keep 10-year yields low, as deflation was basically prevalent in Japan for most of this time, the Bank of Japan moved from targeting a quantity of bonds to buy, quantitative easing, to a qualitative approach, which was the yield curve control. And it was a successful move because the Bank of Japan monetary policy was very predictable. Front-end rates were stuck at 0% for decades and 10-year Japanese government bonds were constantly trading in the prescribed plus minus 25 basis point yield range for six or more years. That was all true until today, when the Bank of Japan decided to all of a sudden widen the trading band for 10-year Japanese government bonds. But in the end, at this point, you might want to ask yourself, and me probably, the Bank of Japan didn't raise policy rates. They only widened the JGB trading band by only 25 basis points. So how can such a small move have worldwide macro implications? And the answer is that it does, in my opinion, because global macro is a giant interconnected puzzle and Japan is a large player within this puzzle. Japan is a huge exporter of capital. Since the 90s, Japanese investors are used to look abroad for opportunities to deploy their very large pile of domestic excess savings. And they did so mostly by purchasing foreign assets. As of July 2022, Japanese investors are the largest holders of U.S. treasuries in the world. They have accumulated over $1 trillion in U.S. treasuries. It was a very convenient way to recycle excess savings. The yield differentials between U.S. Treasuries and Japanese government bonds was very positive and often more than offsetting the cost of edging the U.S. dollar, Japanese yen, foreign exchange risk. You can see in one of the charts in the article how convenient it was for Japanese investors to buy Treasuries and cover the FX risks. They would on average get a 100 to 100 basis point additional return by purchasing these Treasuries and hedging the FX risk rather than simply parking money in the press in the depressed Japanese domestic government bond market. The Bank of Japan decision today, and most importantly, the new direction of travel that it seems to set, can significantly alter this flow of capital because it significantly alters the financials behind this decision-making. And this is one of the global macro impacts of today's Bank of Japan decision. But said that, to really grasp the potential market implications and trade opportunities going forward, we must answer two main questions. The first is, why did the Bank of Japan do this now? And will the Bank of Japan continue along this new hawkish path? 
The best macro investors I know are always keen to assess a crucial and yet elusive variable, which is the policymakers' incentive schemes. And here is my attempt at understanding these incentive schemes for Japanese policymakers. Japan has a new prime minister. It's Kishida who succeeded Abe. In April 2023, Japan will have a new governor of the Bank of Japan because Kuroda's term will expire. Now, Abe and Kuroda worked together to try and pull Japan out of a deflationary spiral. And while it can be argued they really didn't succeed much so far, Kuroda now has the chance to leave office in April next year with a victory lap. That's because core inflation in Japan could soon stabilize around 2%. The Bank of Japan policy, to be honest, has nothing to do with it, but Kuroda is likely to seize the opportunity for this victory lap. The cherry on the cake would be for him to say that finally it drove inflation in Japan at target, and he's also laying the foundations for his successor to follow a new, more hawkish monetary policy approach to inflation. And that's the answer why I think right now, few months before the end of his term, Kuroda is trying to take a victory lap and leave um, basically his successor to try and continue along a more hawkish path. So that's the second question. Will Kuroda's successor continue along this path? And I think that he will. Why? Because core inflation is likely to keep trending towards 2%, or at least most analysts expect core inflation in Japan to be around 2% next year. Fixed income investors are three quarters convinced along the way. They expect inflation to be rather 1.5%, but definitely enough to justify a more hawkish stance from the Bank of Japan. The new sheriff in town approach is relevant, if true, because it signals this is not only a one-off move, but rather a sustained shift in the approach to monetary policy and inflation in Japan. If this, if the answer to this question is correct, the second important question to grasp macro implications and potential trade ideas is the following. Yes, but what are markets pricing in at this stage? Now, in order to understand uh, and track what global market moves are happening uh, across the many dimensions of different asset classes and assigning the right relevance to each mover is actually very hard. I developed a tool called the Volatility Adjusted Market Dashboard that will fix this problem for you. You will literally be able to screen the entire global macro universe in a fully customizable way. You will be able to identify the biggest volatility adjusted moves wherever they're happening and draw analytical charts to test your resulting macro ideas. Now, the volatility adjusted market dashboard today is telling us the following. The Bank of Japan has not raised deposit rates, but markets are pricing 30 plus basis point hikes in 2023 and an additional 25 basis point hikes in 2024. So hikes are priced in. The market isn't thinking this is a one-off change to the 10-year JGB trading band, but they think the Bank of Japan will actually increase policy rates in 2023 and in 2024. The yield curve in Japan has dramatically flattened in the 5-year to 10-year segment, indicating the bond market expects the same path to be followed in Japan as well, where a sudden hawkish shift will weigh on the already poor long-term nominal growth prospects in Japan. It's also pricing bond volatility market um, uh, volatility in the bond market to pick up very aggressively across the board. So these are the three the three main indications coming from the Japanese bond market from the volatility adjusted market dashboard, which is also telling us that dollar JPY dropped like a stone. 
In other words, the fixed income and the FX markets are taking this very seriously. They're extrapolating a hawkish Bank of Japan reaction function well into 2023. This is not being treated like a one-off small move. Now, another important macro implication, which markets are pricing in or starting to, is evident in the global fixed income market. As I said before, Japanese investors are highly involved in foreign investments, in particular in highly rated government bonds issued by the US, European countries, UK, and Australia. And now the Bank of Japan is affecting both JGB yields, domestic Japanese government bond yields, and the Japanese yen. And by doing, though, by doing so, it is largely impacting the financials of these gigantic cross-border capital flows in the bond market. And as you can see in a chart I put in the article, after today, Japanese investors won't find any additional yield by purchasing foreign bonds against buying JGBs unless they go out and buy Spanish or Italian bonds, which are more risky and will be under pressure as the ECB tightens policy and embarks in quantitative tightening. What I'm trying to say is that now that Japanese investors are getting positively rewarded to keep their cash at home during a global economic slowdowns and during periods of high macro uncertainty, well, they probably will seize the opportunity and keep cash at home. That strengthens the yen and negatively affects foreign assets on the margin. So when we try to summarize what the implications are for trades and portfolio, I should say this is another day in 2022 and another tectonic shift by a global important central bank, this time the Bank of Japan. And given the policymakers' incentive schemes, I don't think this is likely to be a small one-off adjustment, but rather a new monetary policy approach to inflation, which involves a more hawkish Bank of Japan stance that has important global macro implications for asset classes. There are three that I would like to highlight uh, to, highlight to um, uh, you know, close the, this article and this piece. I already liked the Japanese yen, and on a medium-term basis, I like it even more now. I expect a global recession in 2023, and generally the Japanese yen tends to strengthen in such an environment. A, because yield differentials between Japan and the rest of the world compress, and B, because Japanese investors are incentivized to bring money home in that uh, recessionary environment rather than seeking risks in that tough macro situation. Now, the Bank of Japan is enhancing these incentive schemes via higher domestic Japanese rates, so the yen might actually end up appreciating even further. If you want to get long the yen, you can do that via an FX account, obviously, but there are also two ETFs issued by Wisdom Tree that allow to do so for both US investors and European investors. For US investors, it's LJPY, and for European investors, it's EUJP. Those are the two ETFs. When it comes to bonds, Japanese investor support for European and US bond markets was already dwindling, but the new monetary policy stance by the Bank of Japan will, I think, reduce this support even further, and this backs my short-term bearish thesis on European bonds. Finally, as another central bank joins the ECB and the Fed in tightening policy and increasing risk-free rates, this also bodes negatively for global equities on the margin. Now, this was it for today's timely piece on the Bank of Japan uh, decisions and its implication for markets. A kind reminder that if you find value in this timely macro analysis, portfolio strategy, and much more that the, com the Macro Compass provides, this will very soon require a paid subscription. 
There are only 10 days left before we go behind the paywall. So check out which subscription tier suits you the most and come join us. As last thing I'm going to say is that I discussed the volatility adjusted market dashboard this incredible tool that allows you to screen the entire global macro universe in a fully customizable way, identify the biggest volatility adjusted moves across asset classes, draw your charts, draw your analysis and test your macro ideas all in one place, exactly like the pros do. This tool is available for the Macro Compass subscribers, in particular, all round investors and pro investor tier subscribers, which will also get access to everything that I will ever write when it comes to macro trade ideas and um, portfolio locations, macro courses, et cetera, et cetera. I will talk to you guys again. Um, I think uh, maybe until year end, I plan to send at least a uh, nice email with another last strong piece of macro content in 2022 and quite a surprise as well for the last email of the year. So stay tuned and talk to you, I think around the 27th, 28th of December.